Hey, everybody. Just to let you know, this podcast may contain some adult or possibly offensive language. No nudity, though. <laughs> Unless you're thinking about naked people. I make sure that I get the five doctors in every day. A little Dr. Sun, a little Dr. Nutrition. Make sure I'm eating right and drinking a lot, a lot of water. What about um, Dr. Love? Dr. <laughs> Dr. Love is on vacation. <laughs> Dr. Love tired. <laughs> Yo, yo, yo. Hello, everybody. This is Stretch Armstrong. Y me llamo Bobito Garcia, a.k.a. Tito Frio Amor. <laughs> Welcome to Season 2 of What's Good with Stretch and Bobito, Bobito. Your source for untold stories and uncovered truths from movers and shakers around the world. We are talking art, music, film, and sometimes sports. And everything in between. That's right. Yo, B, it feels good to be back in the studio. My man. Yeah, it's been a couple it's months. Good. This, can I say it's good to be home? No, for sure. NPR is our new home. That's right. They're never going to turn their back on us, and we're going to be doing this for the next 15, 20 years. Can I put that in the universe? Put it out there. All right. Man, yo, it is great to be back. Bob, you have been redunculously busy <laughs> since season one ended. Yeah, I mean, I, I put out my, my third film, Rock Rubble 45s. Thank you, which I have to applaud you for a being tour, so supportive. A tour de force. Um, you know, but Stretch, the same could be said for you. You put out a book. You've been touring the world. I feel like you have exponentially been DJing a lot more. You know, Central Park Summer Stage. You did what DJ does Central Park Summer Stage as a headliner in the same season? <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> there were a lot of years when I never got invited to Summer Stage. Yeah, so I'm, try- I'm trying to make up. Um, so we're going to start this the second season with a banger of an interview. <laughs> I mean, you know, who could expect that? Our first season would launch with Dave Chappelle as our guest, Donnell Rawlings uh, accompanying him, and then a surprise phone call at the end with Erica Badu. And now she's returning back cosmically to be the first guest for our launch of the second season. That's right. And it's a and it's a real treat. I mean, she's just, you know, a, a legend, a singer of the highest caliber. She's a songwriter, a performer, an actress. A prolific social media empress <laughs> and a doula. Certified at that. Certified. Yeah. Licensed to doula. You mentioned she's a legend, right? And what does she have? Like five albums? Like, you know, you think about like Tito Puente, for example, you know, he recorded over 100 albums in his career. Like, Erica has attained bona fide legendary status without a lot of recorded output, but a plethora of of live performances that I don't know too many artists that could really be held in the same breath with how hard she's been working for the last 20, 20 plus yep. years. Crazy. And she'll get into that. She will. We don't reveal too much. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but she's legendary, she's award winning, she's done guest appearances on other people's recordings. And she's hilarious. She's hilarious. And Badu is in the building. Stay tuned, she's right up next. The following message comes from NPR sponsor, the Lagunitas Brewing Company. In addition to brewing beer, Lagunitas helps nonprofits with fundraising. Chief Cultural Officer Ron Lindenbush says every cause they support is central to the Lagunitas philosophy. 
you know, music, arts, animal welfare. When it comes down to it, beer and music are just part of the fundamental human experience. And so are dogs. <laughs> to learn more, visit Lagunitas.com slash community. Some days we're meant for each other. Fries and milkshakes, selfies and duck face. And now, what's good with Stretch and Bobito and Spotify? Yes, the same app that has millions of songs now also has thousands of podcasts. On Spotify, you can listen to all your favorite shows and discover new ones. To subscribe to ours, search for What's Good with Stretch and Bobbito, tap follow, and get every new episode delivered to you. Podcasts on Spotify, they're streaming right now. And now, and now. What's Who's playing who's the drums? playing the spoons? Dinner time. Ah, what up? Time to eat. (laughs) Peace and love. Peace. Erica. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? I'm exquisite. (laughs) So what's your daily routine like? I mean, you're doing shows, you you out here taking care of kids, uh, delivering babies, uh, you know. Do nope. you have a Google Calendar? Do you do you have a, a date book? Do you I'm, write? I'm supposed to have one, but I don't. I never look at it. Right now, it's it's pretty much my date book is my text messages. Like you're you're supposed to be here. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm on my way. During um, during fall or autumn during the school uh, year, I wake up at about six six a.m. five fifty nine six a.m. and I um take my daughter to school my youngest daughter and from there I'll go to the gym or to yoga depending on what day it is and from there I go to my grandmother's house uh, I'm her, one of her caregivers and she's 91 wow and um bless her yeah and then um you know I I try to leave there around 1 p.m. to have a little bit of me time and hopefully traffic is heavy enough where I can write a song to one of these old ass beats I've been trying to write to for eight years. <laughs> but there's never enough traffic <laughs> to finish. Um, so that's what that's, that's pretty much my fall routine. And then if I have um, a mom that I'm assisting or caring for, I fit that in. Pretty much that's it. And I try to get a little bit of time for me. I make sure that I get the five doctors in every day. A little son, Dr. Son, a little Dr. Nutrition, make sure I'm eating right and drinking a lot, a lot of water. Um, doctor Exercise, you know, in the morning, getting the gym in or the yoga or whatever it is, or walking or whatever. And mm-hmm. Spirit part, where I'm alone in my car and I am able to communicate yeah. with the higher things. And then... Um, Five, just Dr. Breath, making sure that I'm breathing correctly. So I try to get all of that in every day. What uh, about what about um Dr. Love? Doctor <laughs> Dr. Love is on vacation. <laughs> Dr. Love tired. <laughs> Dr. Love is tired. You know that song, right? Dr. Love. Yeah. Ooh, hey. <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've heard that you travel quite often with your family. And, I do. Uh, I, you know, I find that intriguing. I, I recently, I have a, a four-year-old, and 
I run a basketball tournament in New York, and I had my son there for on the mic, and it was beautiful. It was like, word, my son is here, he's experiencing this with me, but you know, then he ran out in the middle of court, you know, in the middle of the game. I was like, oh, like somebody get it. <laughs> and I, I'm imagining there must be some benefits and some downsides to traveling with your family, or maybe no down, downsides, but yeah. I'm just wondering, well, like, what? It's all I know. I mean, like, I, my first record came out in 1997 in February. I got pregnant with my first child in March of 1997. My second album came out in November of 1997 on the 18th, and I had the baby on the same day as my second album <laughs> released. All this in 1997, so I don't know music without breastfeeding and caring for and um, A&D ointment and all of that stuff. I mean, it's just part of part of it all, and I just kind of pace it all because... Um, it's all my responsibility, you know, at this point. I have three children now. They're all six years apart, six and seven years apart. Um, Mars, Puma, and Seven. Seven's now 20. He'll be 21 in November. That means Baduism is also 21. <laughs> I've been traveling eight months out of the year for 21 years. Never had a vacation. My vacation is when everybody leave my house. <laughs> That's my vacation. So what is it about touring that keeps you on the road every year? I mean, most most acts, Love you know, it. they've got they got a record out and they support it by touring. Sure, sure. You don't ha you don't have to do that. I, d I choose not to. I I consider myself a performance artist more than a recording artist. Mm. Um the stage is where I feel most comfortable uh in expressing who I am, where I am, discovering things about myself is more therapy than it is a job. And, um, you know, recording is like perfecting a moment where performing live is just creating a moment. And I love the feeling of creating that thing that uh, just disappears and evaporates into time. You'll have it on uh, your phone or video, but for me, it's over after the moment. And there's something uh, really beautiful about being able to just let go of something after you create it. Yeah. So on stage, you are, you know, that's that's where you shine. Yeah. Um, we want to play a clip of Tyrone live from <laughs> That's how you start the song right there. Right, that got to be the strongest <laughs> opening line in soul history. This <laughs> is like, tidy as shit. That's like the, the Eric Abadou church right there. Right, church. <laughs> it was all freestyle. I just made it all up as I went. Oh, word? Yeah, and um, 
they caught it on on tape in in DC and it was on the radio the next day and it went viral. That's how it happened. There was no internet or anything like that. So I did not know that. Wow. Right. So they caught the live performance. After the live performance, I went in the studio and actually recorded it. And I didn't remember all of the things, so it's a little different on the recorded version. But it was all in a moment. You know, that's that's the beauty of live performance, you know, and sure. That's one of the amazing moments where it was caught on tape. I didn't know how ridiculously funny you were until I saw you live and in between songs is as entertaining as the music and I'm just curious like where where does your humor come from? My family. It's our coping mechanism. You know, it's the way we get on with time and life, tragedy. You know, everything is funny to us. And I also feel like the world is a private joke between me and God. <laughs> Everything's funny to me. I guess it's just, you know, one of the things that I am, one of the ways I express who I am. You know, and I don't have the most popular opinion, so a lot of times the humor can be misunderstood or took for something else, but I don't care. I mean, only thing I apologize for is that you don't understand what I'm saying. I love to laugh. I love to be tickled. It feels very, really, really good. Inside, you know, the tickly feeling. It's just great. I love to feel like I have to hold my nose in class so the teacher won't see me laughing. You know, I like laughing that hard. And I like laughing to tears. I like laughing till my tummy hurts. I like laughing till I'm mad. Like, you know, when somebody's tickling you and you don't really want to laugh. I like laughing like that. I like spitting my, spitting my water out, you know. <laughs> How often does that happen? All the time. Oh, you're lucky. You ever going to do stand-up comedy? I, you know, I'm reading that you used to work at, at Steve Harvey's Comedy Club. You've been I on did. tour with Dave Chappelle. Like, what's yeah. up? Like, oh, well, yeah, I will hope. I want to. Um, you want to be a stand-up comic? I mean, I, Michael Blackson always says, okay, when you come to L.A. this time, you're going to go. You're going to go on stage. Just do it. And um, <laughs> just go do it and see. Just go see. Try. Uh-huh. So I, we'll see. Let's see if, if that's my thing. One of my things. Could be. All right. Could well, be not. We we could be. <laughs> we we're, we're ready to we're ready to be your first audience right now. You can, come yeah. on. Mushroom come walks on. into a bar. Mushroom <laughs> walks into a bar. Bartender says, "Fuck out of here. <laughs> we don't serve mushroom in here." Mushroom says, why not? I'm a fun guy. But I'm fun. One more, one more, I, I, one more. Okay, go, ahead, go for it, go for it. So there's a little boy and a little girl. They were, uh, no, I already messed it up. <laughs> I don't know. I'll try it at some point. I'll try it. Who's the funniest cat you think out there, period, ever? Um, My mother. Word? Yeah, my mother's funnier than than anybody I know. She's a mixture between Rich Pryor, Red Fox, Martin Lawrence. Um, like she got snaps Robin, or she got stories? Rob, Robin Harris. Just the way she is. Just her every day walking around, doing nothing. Just walking. She walk funny. She talk funny. <laughs> she, she snap her head around at you when she look at you funny. She. Uh-huh come back quick on your ass funny she you know she's hilarious so clearly that's, that's the, humor. you're like the 2.0 of your mom I guess that's, yeah I'm an improvement on her design <laughs> <laughs> yes 
you know, we don't be telling no jokes. It's just we just funny. Yeah. <laughs> we just be saying shit that's funny. Right. And it just be funny. Yeah, well, I was talk- I was talking to my boy Skin in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in your group. Um, Cannabinoids. High, yeah, for a hot second. He's my dude. I've known him for yeah. a, a minute. And uh, he was telling me your nickname back in the day was Apples. Yeah, it was Apples. All the kids called me that from fifth grade to, to 12th grade. How did that come about? I don't know. I think uh, Prince had this uh, movie that came out, Purple Rain, and it was a lady, Apollonia. And oh, I was shit. like a really fanatic, Prince fanatic. And... That was my like short name for Apollonia, Apples. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, and my derriere too. That's another reason. <laughs> <laughs> when did you finally meet Prince for the first time? First time I met Prince, he was my rhythm guitarist on stage Ooh. at Paisley Park where I performed live with him. Uh, he wanted to meet me and play you know with us on stage he's an amazing human being real honest and he liked to laugh too so i mean we were just giggling and shit laughing at people and you know we kept in touch here and there over the years but i remember my um i I came up with an album called worldwide underground and uh, he came to one of my shows and I got in the limo with him, and he said, now look, that's not nothing. <laughs> I was like, what? He said, no, that ain't finished. That's not nothing. You need to come on with it now. That's mm. what you're doing, what you're doing. I was like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's, it's just the process. This is like my, it's like a little demo. He said, it sure is. <laughs> that's <all right. laughs> Said, okay. <laughs> All right. But but he uh, showed up at my birthday party, oh, one year, my thirtieth birthday, in Dallas. I had a little theater at the time, and it was in South the, Dallas. So the Black Forest Theater. The Black Forest Theater. It was on Word. the corner of Martin Luther King, and Seventy Five. So you know what that is, Malcolm X Boulevard. And I can't believe Prince was in our neighborhood. You know, and he got to the uh, theater. And his assistant set up his little area before he got there, you know, velveted it out and swept out, sprayed. <laughs> what do you mean sprayed? Sprayed some spray, you know, they got purple, it together. Purple paint. Purple bleacher. <laughs> and uh, he got the area all together and he came to the show. And then he got on stage and performed till 4 a.m. Like, you know, I was just honored and... He was genuine, and he genuinely liked me. And other than the talking about that music from the album Worldwide Underground, which he did not care for too much, we really didn't <laughs> talk about music too much. We oh, just kind of yeah. talked about life. And you were you were you were pregnant at the time, correct? Uh, not at that time. No, oh, okay. I wasn't pregnant yet. Maybe. No. One of those one of those rare moments you weren't pregnant. <laughs> I was pregnant one time when when I went on stage with Prince when he did a show in an arena. I was pregnant that time. Mm. But that's why they call me Fat Belly Bella because they never know when I'm going to be impregnated. Pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I live in Crown Heights right now with my mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. And um, she has had the thought 
from time to time of studying to become a, a doula. And she had mentioned Queen Afua, mm-hmm. who is a holistic uh, health sort of spiritual healer, advisor, and home. She lives right down a block from us, and that's and, uh-huh. and and my wife mentioned she was like, "Yo, that's where Erica studied to become a doula." I was like, "What?" Yeah, actually, I I didn't study to become a doula there. Uh, she she's a holistic health practitioner, counselor, uh, nutritionist, healer of all sorts. Um, she's a seer. She's she's all kinds of things. I studied under her through. Uh, becoming friends with her son and she kind of became my godmother and I went through a a program with her called sacred sacred woman and your wife would really love it it's kind of like where we get to um comprise and create our own program of eating praying living respecting ourselves and our bodies and creating boundaries for ourselves it's that kind of thing and all young women uh, would really benefit from it because it's uh, a very structured, beautiful program, and it kind of helps you to awaken to your true beauty and how it connects with the all and everything. And that's what I learned from Queen of Fool, among many, many other things. I became a doula a little later. And how does one go about getting Erica Badu to be their doula? <laughs> Um, I I do it free of charge. I don't charge anything for any of my healing uh, techniques. I connect with people. Some are relatives. Some are people I've met in the industry. There's a a model named Slick Woods who I'm assisting. You know, when I have time, I can only take two mothers per year. You know, there's nine months in the process. So I wish I could do more. It's just random how it happens. Mm -hmm. There's no system to it. You know, I don't know how, how, how public you are with, with your spirituality, but just curious, I mean, if, if there's some way of you defining what spirituality is for you, um, how would you do that? I've read a lot of things because when I got here, there were all these, you know, when I, when I say got here, I mean when I was born, there were already all these theories already in place for me to, to just pick one. And they're all so nice. <laughs> so it's difficult to pick just one. But in traveling around the world, Everybody is in need of the same thing. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to work with pride. I don't know anything for sure, but I do know that being kind to others is the most important thing that I can do. And being and doing that uh, helps. And how I get to that place is through listening for the stillness underneath everything. Stillness is the closest thing to what love is or what God is. You uh, you mentioned that the concept of stillness, but you also you know evoke the the mindset of being woke. Mm-hmm. You're an empath, and so you're absorbing a lot of energy, positive as well as negative, on yeah. a constant mm-hmm. on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. So how does one maintain still, and how does one maintain being woke in a parallel universe? In uh, the cognitive dissonance of things. Cognitive dissonance is just kind of like you got one foot over on meditation and doing the right thing all the time, and the other foot is in the world of reacting to everything that's going on around you. You know, accepting that someone says something negative about you and being able to feel, you know, on your timeline, somebody says something negative, you can kind of say, okay, something wrong with them. 
nothing wrong with me. And you can kind of rationalize that kind of stuff. So I kind of try to live between the, the, the rational and emotional, right in between. Not too far left, not too far right, not too far woke, not too far asleep. <laughs> right in between. So it, <laughs> that makes me the observer. You know, when you're right in between, you kind of can zoom out and you can observe yourself in the situations that you're in. Erica, I've, yeah. I've never asked anyone this question before, but have Uh-oh. you ever had an out-of-body experience? <laughs> I have. I've had out of, out, out-of-body experience. I mainly have them uh, right after that REM sleep when you're trying to wake up and you really can't wake up. And um, I hear this buzzing in my head and then I, my eyes are slightly open. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That that moment uh-huh. and, happens um, to me every night. <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of buzzing, <laughs> but like there's a there's that moment, and um, I used to have it all the time when I was a child. I would be horrified, I'd be terrified, and um, I would just start praying to everything. I didn't even believe in all of the stuff. Jesus, Buddha, everybody, somebody, you know? <laughs> everybody, <laughs> just in case, Help me. you know. But one night, I decided not to fight it. And I woke up on the other side. I could see my own body. I floated away from it. And I was, you know, it was my house. And I was looking around the house. I went outside, and the grass was really green and tall. And it was nighttime. And then I floated back inside, and I sat in a chair. I wasn't really sitting down. I kind of was by a chair or hovering over a chair. And then I... um couldn't wake up and it came to me oh I don't have a body so I had to float back into the room and it was terrifying to see my own body laying there so I turned backwards and floated backwards back into my body and I woke up wow Wow. do your children have the same ability my middle daughter has told me that she's experienced the can't wake up and trying really hard the paralysis the sleep paralysis She's 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 mentioned that, but she hadn't went any further than that. She's fourteen. Yeah. So I don't interfere or try to explain what it is. I want them to discover, you know, all these things for themselves. What do you draw from your children that's that's informing you in a way that's that's most helpful to what you're trying to accomplish as as an artist and beyond? Oh my God, so much. We talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, when I see my son or daughter do something a a bit more evolved than my thinking, I'm just so amazed and pleased. And people around me remind me, well, that's you, 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 you're like that. And I'm, and I don't, I don't, I'm not aware that I am Hmm. um, evolved in my thinking in those kind of ways. Like for example, my, my son has a look on his face all the time. It's not quite a smile and it's not quite a, a smirk, but the look says, "I hope that's working out for you." And he he just wants um, he wants everybody to feel good. He wants everybody to kind of he wants things to work out. He's not judgmental very much, you know. He gives things a chance. I'm impressed by that. It feels good because it means that we've done something right, or we've because children learn from not what you say, but who you are and what you do. And that means that his father and I have 
expressed something, right, or he's extracted the best things from the both of us. That's what it looks like to me. Nice. My daughter, who's um, 14, uh, I remember she was in a situation. Puma is uh, forgetful sometimes, and she's she's an artist. She's a true artist, so she's forgetful. And she um, she's in a group at one point. They were doing a project, and one of the students told her, look, you're going to have to, you know, focus and get on point because we don't want to make a bad grade because you're in our group. And it really hurt Puma because she's not doing it, you know, to hurt anyone. It's just the way her mind is. Yeah. And um, she came home and she told me, and I was I was very upset. And I said, well, she's not a good leader, is she? And Puma said, no, she's an amazing leader. She just wasn't a good leader today. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> She's able to see that even through being uh, hurt from a person. Yeah. You know, and um, they are incredible people. You know, one more thing, my, my youngest, Mars, who I, is my favorite. I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> but the other kids know. She gets more on her plate. She gets... Oh. <laughs> All she got to do is wake up and play and sing and eat. <laughs> Leave her alone. Don't say nothing to her. Give her a piece. Give it to her. Yeah. <laughs> Mars is, she's funny. Mars is the Richard Pryor. She's the only one out of all of them that cuss. Cusses. She, Wait, how old is she? Because the other ones have, she's nine. The other ones have, <laughs> the other ones have heard curse words and everything, but they know this is an adult thing. Mars yeah. doesn't care. She's Jay Electronica's child. Okay. So she's a very, very uh, critical thinker. And she was about four, and I told her, you know, we were ba bathing her, and she was like, well, what do you call it? What's the name of it? And I said, vagina. It's called vagina. And she said, vagina, okay. And I said, yes, vagina, and it's the most important thing on the planet. <laughs> Mar said, hmm, where is the planet's vagina? I said, Dallas. <laughs> Me and Mar Mars are a good team. She's really smart and she's funny. And, uh, but I learned a lot from all of them. You know, nice. they are awesome reflections. So, Erica, there was a recent controversy over some things you said in a Vulture article about some mm -hmm. controversial figures like Farrakhan and Bill Cosby and Adolf Hitler. Uh, perhaps some of your words were taken out of context, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering in the wake of that, has that made you a more cautious person? Um, so a little a little bit more cautious. Um, it, it, what it does is it made me realize that doing print interviews in, in 2018 doesn't really help me at all or anyone because they're going to you know, if they want to create clickbait, they're going to take a, a section of it and put it into another section and make it be what it, they want it to be. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't cautious during the during the interview at all because I was very clear, and within the context, I was only expressing compassion, and we were talking about compassion, and I used uh, maybe. Now I know the worst example I could use for um, compassion, but I was very clear, and it was very—it was a beautiful conversation that we had, but turned into something pretty bad because of, I guess, what 
some publications wanted to do, you know, what the media wanted to do or how they wanted to spin it. Did you ever have a chance to to speak to the person that conducted the interview, the journalist? Yeah, the the journalist was amazing. It wasn't the journalist that uh, twisted the conversation. It was someone taking a quote from the conversation and making that the conversation. Right. Welcome to 2018. Thank you. (laughs) I haven't gotten that official welcome. Thank you. I didn't really know where we were. I mean, words have been getting twisted out of out of (laughs) out of context. It's all right. That's prior to to the internet age. But mine, mine are always. (laughs) twisted because like I said I don't have the most popular opinion so I think as human beings we we want someone to pick a side we want you to pick this side or that side because if you're speaking positively about this side it means that you're not on that side so they want you to, to pick a side there there has to be a villain you know and because I don't do that because I'm observing everything and trying to be a voice just for the whole, it's confusing, you know, to some people. And to some people, it's not confusing. They just want to misunderstand, mm-hmm. you know. Or, yeah. And it's all right. I realize that, you know, it's been some time since your last studio recorded album, but since mm-hmm. you're so prolific on the road, mm-hmm. doing different things, mm-hmm. improving and having uh, guest appearances on stage, like why not a a studio, I mean, a, a, a con- another concert album? That's Is a, that on that's the a, horizon? That's a great idea. I'm going to do you. that. I'm going to do that. 10%, 10%, homegirl. I got you, not no. 10, <laughs> but we can do something. Get a shout out. <laughs> we can get a shout out. In, in, non, in non-existent liner notes. I mean, I put you on, I put your ad on my tweets. Uh, <laughs> I follow you. I start following you. Word. All right, cool. I appreciate that. <laughs> but um, in terms of the recorded space, what what potentially is on the horizon from Erica Badu on in terms of singing? Because we know you got eighty thousand projects <laughs> outside well, of that. Yeah, you know what? It's um, uh, as an artist, things have to happen organically for me, and if I'm not really feeling or I don't have anything to say. I, I can't really write anything. It's, mm. There's no writing team. So how I'm expressing myself artistically right now is through visuals. I, I haven't been needing words to express how I feel for uh, the past few years. I've been using the frequency of, of, of the eyes, you know. So I've been making these little visuals on Instagram. It kind of expresses where I am in colors and in tones and movement. Don't know why it's that way, but I guess musically I'm I'm just uploading right now. Erica, we've been talking a lot. I think uh, let's take a, a little break and we can vibe. We'll be back with the impression session. Planning a transportation vacation with kids this summer? Well, remember to pack the wow in the world. I'm Mindy Thomas, and together with my buddy Guy Raz, we've got over 60 episodes for your family road trip adventures. New scientific discoveries in knuckle-cracking, exploding ants, and burping black holes. Find wow in the world wherever you get your podcasts. The star and director of a groundbreaking new film have different ideas about who it represents. Is it an Asian-American film? No. Yes. 
John Cho and Anish Chaganti on their new movie, Searching, this week on It's Been a Minute from NPR. You know what that means. What does it mean, Stretch? That means it's time for the impression session. Word. Here's how it works. We play a track, Erica. Okay. And you, you react. Simple as that. Okay. Cool? Okay. Actually, you were part of our impression session when, when you dropped in on Dave Chappelle. Okay. Yeah, and you, you kind of like played me when I played my regular. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all good. Okay. We, we have a, I feel like our, our vibrations are more in sync uh, cognitively today than, than the Dave Chappelle fo- phone in. But Stretch, why don't you play? You going to go first? Yeah. Is that Angela Bofield? That's actually Letta Mbulo. She's a South African singer from Soweto. And um, yeah, she she, uh, was in exile in New York City. Um, She left South Africa in 1965. And in New York, she did a bunch of music with Hugh Masekela, Miriam Makeba. She ended up doing... Uh, who were also exiled from South Africa at the time, Mm -hmm. too. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. And uh, she actually ended up... um, Singing on Liberian Girl by Michael Jackson. There's mm. a, there's a. Um, Did she sing on Soul to Soul music? A song? I don't think so. No. That but anyway, I'm talking powerful. too much. This is about your reaction to the music. Oh, my reaction to that <laughs> is, I feel, I felt like I was in a, a yellow, a room with a yellow ceiling, with, um yellow floral wallpaper, uh, hardwood brown floor, sitting in a chair looking out a window at uh, time go by. And you visited Soweto, rec- Soweto recently, right, to, yeah. to record? Yeah, it was a few years ago, maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I did record there. Um, drums. I went in search of drums. I was on my Ginger Baker uh, movement you know i went all over the 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 world to find in search of drums and i recorded many drums with different um tribes and different people there in soweto and in joburg um in nigeria and in um kenya so but yeah i was definitely in soweto it was a great feeling I, i brought my little drum trap set and I played with with the brothers there um I'm gonna play you a song all right okay take a deep breath first (sighs) (sighs) 
Alright, let's go. <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. It's a John Cage record. It's <laughs> pure silence. So Erica, that's an artist uh, by the name of Nitin Sani. He's uh, from the UK, but originally from India. Yeah. And the title is Homelands. Mm. Um, reaction? Oh, feels like evolution. It feels like the process of learning. The beginning of the the song, I was in a place and I was very comfortable. And then it got, it went another direction. Then I was trying to learn that area, and I kind of, I felt it, and I got it. Then it went to another direction. It's kind of like it put me in the, the mood of how we learn and grow, how we um, get comfortable in a, on a place and have to evolve out of it. And it's a little uncomfortable, a little bit. That's so spot on because it's, yeah. I mean, he's talking about homelands and because he, he's Indian but not living in India. And, and you actually, without even understanding what the lyrics are about or, or the purpose of the song, that's exactly why he, that's 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 what he uh, tried to evoke as an artist. The reason why I played it for you is because Stretch and I recently, we DJed in Mumbai. Yeah. Um, and I'm a, I'm a vinyl only cat and I was trying to figure out what's the first record I'm going to play in this set for my first time spending with my dude Yeah. I have seen that you spend I, I saw uh, a little clip of you spending Michael ja uh, Jackson 5 um, ABC at one party and everybody was you know throwing their hands in the air but what I was curious about because you're such a you're aficionado of music what chances and what risks have you taken as a DJ where you just didn't know how the crowd was going to react, but you just <laughs> went there regardless, you know, because obviously you do that as a, as a as a performing artist. Yeah. And I'm imagining that there's a consistency with that as you as a DJ. I take a risk every night because I don't prepare crates. I don't prepare anything. I, I just don't know what's going to happen next. Um, it's all almost the same as. I am on stage. We we know all the songs, but we don't know how we're going to do it and how it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like uh, it's the the risk is the reason why I do it, you know, to to just be in a place and not be afraid to to do something different and new. It's like playing um like especially when you get hired to 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 rock a club it's it's gonna be difficult to deviate from what the people want to hear. They want to hear constant vibration, you know, nonstop. So when I do mix in things that are obscure, 
have to do them in a way that um, does not break the trance. You know, the tr- you know, there has to be that constant trance, and I have to do it in a way where it does not break the trance. Erica, All you've right. been wonder- a wonderful, wonderful guest for our debut episode of the second season of What's Good. Thanks for being on our show, all right? Thank you. Thanks, I Erica. loved it. It was amazing. Thanks. Word. Hope Peace. to see you around. Later. Peace. That's our show. This podcast was produced by Michelle Lands, edited by Jordana Hochman and Nigeri Eaton, and our executive producer is Abby O'Neill. If you like the show, you can hear more at NPR.org and bonus video content on Spotify on Fridays. Thanks to Spotify for their support. Kindly go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. That's how we know you're listening. Or follow us on Instagram at Stretch and Bobito or on Twitter at Stretch and Bob. Ba-boom. Peace. <laughs>